My brother and I, um, mostly Scotty, um, we entered a, a little competition for missionaries at the time. It was called the Sheets for Christ March or Walk or something of that nature. And, and uh, we won a radio. It was a long time ago. We had a radio with AM and FM station. I remember the radio very well. It was a little box and it had a big knob. It was brown. And um, I liked the radio because it had multiple channels on it. And it w- we were very young. I think we lived on Capel at the time. And, um, and Dad was in charge of, of, the, of the walk. I think it was a 20-mile walk. Back then it was a 20-mile uh, walk. And we participated in that. And, and uh, we won. Uh, we raised money. We won a radio. And, and, and the radio uh, had had just a few channels on it and I learned to listen to multiple different uh, uh, songs. I, I don't think mom was paying attention to what we were listening to, but um, I know she was not paying attention. Um, but I, I loved some of those old songs and got down into my blood. It got down into my system. And, um, and we listened to all kinds of music. Now, we didn't listen to rock radio we, that was KC95 at the time we didn't listen to that because that was spooky and we didn't listen to KC95 because that was demonic but everything else you know the Little River Band that was good you know um, Journey um, they had some very good wholesome uh, almost lyrics uh, I fell in love with Aretha Franklin and uh, man, I, I could listen to her all day long. And, and uh, she's going to help me today in my sermon. Because I'm going to recall one of her songs. And no, it is not the song, You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman. That's not, that's not the one. That's not the one that, that she's going to help me with. But I'm going to get to it. And... Um, and, and, and at the end of the sermon, there'll be a little quiz. If you don't know the name of the song, then you just don't know Aretha. And that's also a, a, a requirement for membership here. I don't know if you knew that or not. We have multiple requirements. So if you, if you have, didn't get a card, New Life membership cards, because there's a series of things you have to learn. All right. We're going to pray that the Lord will help us today. We need the help of the Lord. I have many scriptures. And um, it's not my custom not to have a general text, but I do have a general text. I just don't want to read it at the start of this message because I believe the Lord's going to talk to us throughout. Everybody okay? I've been here 22 years today. I was elected. Twenty. Tammy and I were elected 22 years ago today. This very day, the church elected us. On October the 17th. (laughs) It it dawned on me while I was putting the date down, Tammy, that we walked in and uh, we were younger. I was was thinner. Uh, I had had, had dark hair. Um, And we didn't have any children in the house. Kind of like this last weekend. This weekend was 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 amazing. And um, so 
we walked into a church that we just fell in love with people we fell in love with and um, not children but if you were above the age of 20 when we came to Terre Haute would you raise your hand if you're in this house when we first came in October of of 17 would, would you would you would you raise your hand if you Debbie Johnston thank you Crystal thank you I, I'll keep your hand up. thank you Michelle thank you were you guys here on October 17th Jason put your hand down this is the church okay all right thank you thank you Becky thank you did you vote for me Becky you didn't did you did you repent I love you Becky Braun she calls me her she calls me her little Italian spicy meatball pastor that's inappropriate I love her love you all right <laughs> oh yes thank you all the saints thank you and God so good Lord I pray today that you would open up our ears and eyes to the understanding of the scripture so that we can exercise the fullness of your will in the days that are presented before us. I pray today for everyone that hears this word that you would ordain your people for the kingdom's sake and that all that you have to offer could be realized in our own lives and our own families. And that we can tap into everything that you have afforded to us already. I pray right now that the angels of the Most High God would enter this room and stand at attention. Let the ministering spirits that you spoke of in your word come into this place. And send those ministering spirits to everyone who hears this word and receives it today. And I pray for a supernatural work done by your mighty hand, something we cannot do by ourselves. That when we feel it and see it and realize it, we will know it had to be you because it could not be anyone else. And I take authority right now in the Holy Ghost over everything that rises against you and everything that rises against the word of God. And I take authority in the Holy Ghost every ever spirit over every other matter, Lord, that would rise and come against the word of God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And all the people said amen. And we ought to rejoice with our hands and our hearts and our mouths and out of your mouth. Would you just give a shout out to God? Shout out to the Lord with a mighty voice. Amen. And I thank you for standing and you may be seated. Perhaps the cave where David 
took refuge, overlooked the plain where King Saul slept. Abner, Saul's captain, and the royal army, the band that had come, they had grown complacent in protecting their weary king. All of them having fallen asleep, they had forgotten, incredibly enough, they had forgotten the brilliance of David's military mind. They should have been watching. They were chasing David through the countryside to kill him. Under Saul's direction, they were in pursuit of David. They considered themselves the predator, only to find out that they were the prey. David saw them from afar, perhaps the cave gave him a clearer view. In the night, David and one of his men, Abishai, crept into the camp of King Saul. The scripture says it like this, they found Saul lay sleeping within the trench and his spear stuck in the ground at his bolster. There it was, that spear. Years prior, in his derangement, Saul once threw his spear at David. It lodged into the wall. It missed David. But now the spear is plunged into the ground. The Bible gives reference to it. Abishai saw it as a convenient weapon of choice. The irony of being killed by your own spear. Perhaps the very spear that threatened the life of David years prior. I would suppose that Abishai whispers... To David, because they do not want to be found out. Let me just recap for a moment. Saul wants David's life. He's chasing him with his military men, led by Abner. David and Abishai finds them all asleep in the night, and Abishai turns to David, he says, perhaps in a whisper, God hath delivered thine enemy into thine hand this day. Now therefore, let me smite him, I pray thee, with the spear, even to the earth at once, and I will not smite him the second time. This was not the only moment when David spared Saul's life. But in that moment, coming face to face with the man who sought his death, David's heart was gripped and conviction overtook him. Conviction. Abishai knew how difficult it was for David to take retribution against King Saul. He knew that David was reluctant to kill Saul. Even though Saul had once sought his life and was wicked and vile. Maybe I, maybe I could put it this way. Even though Saul was a backslidden king and the monarch was being ripped from his hand, God had rejected him and was giving the kingship to David even though David did not want to touch him. Saul was attempting to turn back the judgment of God by killing David. He thought that if he killed him, he could secure the throne for himself. But no one can thwart the judgment of our God. Neither the blessing or the judgment. If God is going to give you a blessing, I'll be with you. There are always more with you than there are with them. 
and nobody can stop the blessing if the Lord's going to give you a blessing. I, I don't want to minimize this or trivialize this, but God doesn't need your degree to put you in the seat. And he doesn't need a door to put you in the room. He can put you wherever he wants to put you because he's a good God and nobody can thwart that. And a thousand can rise up against you. The Lord is for you. Who can be against you? Nobody. And if the judgment of God is against you, Let me just say, if this is of man, it might stand, it might fall. But there are no guarantees if it's of man. But if God ordained something or someone, oh, let me just quote Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5. But if it be of God, ye cannot overthrow it, lest haply ye be found even to fight against God. If God decrees it, you only hurt yourself trying to stop it or hold it up. Yuza tried to steady the falling Ark of the Covenant and it cost him his life. They were carrying their Ark in the wrong way in disobedience and he put his hand on it to steady it, but he died where he stood. Some things, ladies and gentlemen, need to fall. It's the only way we learn to listen and seek and obey God. Because if God is in it and we try to prop it up, or try to change it or try to fix it, we might be found to even fight against God. Saul could not turn back the judgment against him. Even still, he sought to kill David's life and keep the throne. But there they are, laying on the ground, asleep, all of them in the night, while David and Abishai took ready to do something. But now that David saw it, he... He didn't feel right. And Abishai said, David, I'll do it. One strike is all I need. It'll be over. No one will even know we were ever here. But in that moment, standing there with the power to dispose of the wicked king, David said, and I quote, destroy him not, for who can stretch forth his hand against the Lord's anointed and be guiltless? Whatever King Saul had made of himself, whatever he had done, David still considered him, I quote, the Lord's anointed. Wicked, yes. Hateful, evil, lost, sure. Maybe all those things are true. But David said, we won't touch him, even if no one knows we were here. I hope you can grasp the word today. David did not spare Saul's life that day. No, he didn't. He saved his own life. Some stains, they can't be removed. David still had respect for King Saul. Respect and honor saved David that day. His reverence for King Saul became his own saving grace. There was a level of honor that was still in the Lord's anointed. And in years to come, David will draw upon the decision made in the night and it will come to serve him more than his physical strength or his mental capability. Because respect, ladies and gentlemen, is a choice. Honor is a decision. <laughs> I read a lot of things. I read a lot of books. Um, sometimes I'm... I'm led by cliches or I 
like some saying, but some of them have misled me. And so I've learned as I've grown a little older to be careful not to buy into everything that's said, even if it's a real good saying. There is a cliche goes like this. You have to earn respect or respect is earned. I think I understand the intent of that saying. I, I think it means that you can't live a flagrant life and expect to be retreated, to be treated in, a, in an opposite way. I think I get it. But the Holy Ghost provoked me to ask a question about that cliche. Is it really earned? Is respect really earned? Did Saul earn it with David? Were the actions of this backslidden king in alliance to the will of God? If anything, I would say Saul earned nothing but contempt if it was earning. But it was not about what was earned. It was about the position. Stay with me now. Because the Spirit has something vital to tell all of us. It is God's purpose for us to see the miracles that many other people around the world have seen. The American modern church is struggling with open miracles. Many parts of the world are not struggling with it like we are. We have one or two good things happen and we're rejoicing and we should. But there's so much more. God did not change. His power has not diminished. He's not lacking in any way. He wants to speak today and it is his desire that everyone is healed and everyone is delivered and everyone is renewed and blessed. I hope you can feel my heart. I am unwilling to preach this gospel without evidence of it. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. In the early church, the Bible says that he confirmed the word with miracles, signs, and wonders. I want this for me, but I really want it for you. I'm unwilling to preach all my life without evidence that should happen and will happen. But there's a key to unlock a door and we got to put the key in our hand. And when we get the key in the door, it's going to unlock something you've never seen before. Some of us have been in church all of our lives and we have yet to see the explosion of Pentecost really happen. But we're going to see it because we're going to work on opening that door. I'm preaching the word now. Paul is writing, he writes a letter to a man named Philemon. It's in your Bible, Philemon. It is a 25 verse, one chapter letter. And God thought it was critical to include it in the same Bible as Genesis and Revelation. So we shall pay attention to it. Paul writes to Philemon, who was a wealthy member of the Colossian church. He was a man of means. Paul's writing about a man named Onesimus, who was an indentured servant, a debtor perhaps, a, someone considered a slave. Onesimus is working for Philemon, but Onesimus escapes. He runs away from Philemon. And in time, he finds Paul. He's converted. He's baptized in Jesus' name. And Onesimus begins to serve Paul. We don't know when it happened, but at some point, he confesses to Paul about his past life and what he left behind, that he ran away. 
But by now, Onesimus is both a convert and a strength to the great apostle Paul. So Paul writes a letter to Philemon, and he sends Onesimus back to him. And Paul talks about the change in this man's life. Paul says, and I read to you in, in, in verse 10, I beseech thee for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten. That means he, he saw the conversion in my bonds. I, I, I've been in prison. I've been bound. But Onesimus came to the Lord, which in time past, he was unprofitable to you. But now he's profitable for you and me. Look, Paul, Paul was the apostle, ladies and gentlemen. There's nobody like Paul. He's the founder. He's the voice to the people. Paul has headship. He has authority. He will not dictate the outcome. He only appeals. This is in your Bible. Paul writes to Philemon, verse 14. But without thy mind would I do nothing, and thy benefit should not be as it were of necessity, but willingly. Let let me read it in, in the NIV. But I did not want to do anything without your consent. So that any favor you do will be spontaneous and not forced. What do you call that? It's called respect. Paul is above Philemon in every way. But he is respectful. Paul will not override Philemon just because he is the chief apostle to the people. It's called honor. It's a decision. So regardless if he is above or beneath, pure or corrupt, it's called respect. It's a choice called honor. David to Saul, Paul to Philemon, above or beneath. The Bible has given us instruction, but we are struggling with it. I'm compelled to preach the word today. Here's 1 Peter 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, here it is, be subject one to another, And be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Did you catch it? Above or beneath or across. One to another is a cross. So whether it's up or down or across, respect is the word. And when we lose it in our actions and in our language, we put in motion a generational infection that inhibits our spiritual sight. A lack of honor damages our bonds of love that no amount of good songs or good church or even speaking in tongues can cover. You cannot speak in tongues enough to cover up dishonorable spirits. A lack of respect and honor destroys the marriage. The reason why you have marriage troubles is because you don't have respect for one another. A depletion of it, seen in our language and our action, will erode the foundation of the home, of the church, and ultimately of our society. It's called respect. It's it's a decision that is taught among us and primarily for us and not our children. Our children are mere mirrors of what we feel and what we say and what we do. (laughs) and no one was stirring not even a mouse it begins with recognition and it results with something greater and until we recognize it and rehearse it and practice it there will be 
no open door. And where there is no honor, there are no miracles. I'm preaching the Bible today. I'm not preaching to satisfy our American philosophies. I'm not preaching to get us through another Sunday service. You see, we don't have time to lose. And we need all. Everyone say all. And we need all that the Lord has to offer. I do not want to miss out because we have learned how to cope. Why would we cope with issues that can be remedied by the Holy Spirit? But instead... Without respect and honor, we bind him up or at least limit the amount of room he can work. I say today, we need all of him. It's all of Jesus or nothing of Jesus. I don't want to live my entire life without the evidence of the Holy Ghost and the power of the blood of Jesus in this house. He can deliver you of everything that's in your life right now today. Everything. Watch this. People who are dishonorable destroy the work of the kingdom. And it begins with recognition. Here's the word. The Shunammite woman recognized that Elisha was a prophet of God. No one told her. So she asked her husband, can we build him a room? So that when he comes by, he will naturally stay at our house. It'll be convenient for him. Let's make it convenient for him. She said, he's always coming by. I'll quote it to you. Behold, now I perceive that this is a holy man of God, which passes by us continually. Honey, you build it. I'll decorate it. We'll put a table in there, a bed, a chair, and a candlestick. They've got some new ones down at Kirkland's at Perry Crossing. We'll get it. We'll fix it up. I'll have some matching curtains. Let's build a room. <laughs> Let's put some nice candles in there. Read in your Bible. It says candle. Now, it doesn't say Kirkland's, but come on. Here's the Bible, inspired by the Holy Ghost. Peter said, to give honor unto your wife. Amen. Praise God. The Bible says, honor the brothers. The deviation, or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry, the, the, the derivative of 1 Timothy 6 and 1 is to honor your employer. I'm not hearing that today. I'm hearing the church say, get as much as you can get. They're not, they're not paying me to stay extra. That's not the Bible. Well... I thought we might be here. Here's 1 Timothy 5. Let the elders that rule be counted worthy of double honor. Especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. Paul said in 1 Timothy 5 and 3. Honor widows that are widows indeed. What does that mean? He said widows that don't have children and grandchildren. We got to do something for them. But those that have children, grandchildren, this is what he said. Let them take care of their mother and repay them for all they've done. In other words, you owe your mama. If your daddy died, don't ask the church to take care of your own mama. That's your mama. I don't know why the church won't help our widows. What are you talking about? She birthed you, man. She fed you. She bathed you. She cleaned you. You owe her. <laughs> Well, yeah. 
And then I'm, I'll, just, I'll just cap this off. The, the, Paul says the widow who alone puts her trust in God, she's got to pray. She should pray. She has nobody she prays. And then he said, but the widow who lives for pleasure, Paul said, she's dead while she lives. Uh-oh. Because not everybody's the same. Yeah, she, she don't have a husband, but she's so full of the world and pleasure, she's already dead. You got to go back to the Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Now, what book do we read out of? You want me to preach out of the out of, out of the newspaper or the Reader's Digest or some other commentary? How about we get back to the book? It'll help us learn how to live. The Bible says to honor our bodies. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel, your body, in sanctification and honor. First Thessalonians. Ephesians 6.2. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Amen. Most of our young people are gone today. I'm so glad God could not have picked a better time for all of us to learn what we ought to exemplify. We ought to example. We ought, we ought to showcase this. So that when they get back home, there's a lot of honor and respect in the home. That our words are honorable. That one another, that we address everyone, one another with respect and honor. I don't want my children even to say to me, huh, what? I don't want that response. Pardon me, maybe this is a little old fashioned. Can we play R-E-S-P-E-C-T now please? <laughs> Romans twelve ten. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and honoring. Prefer one another. You prefer one another, not yourself. Oh man, I know I'm stepping off. That's not your seat you're sitting in, by the way. You don't own that. You prefer your brother. Somebody sits in that seat. You thank God. There's plenty of seats. What are you talking about? In fact, if you think that's your seat, you put your name on it, we're moving that seat. You've got you to find it. There's 700 of them. Go find, go find it. That's not your same seat. We already moved that thing. That's not your chair. If there's someone comes in and sits there, you ought to be thank, thanking God that a brother found it before you did. Yeah, I know you're clapping right now. It's, it's nice to clap when you've secured your location. <laughs> uh -huh. You prefer one another. Prefer one another. Listen, here's the benefit of the apostolic Pentecostal church. We have power and authority. We have doctrine. We have truth. We have Bible. But here's the downside of us. We think that all the aforementioned things negate all the other things we ought to be doing every day. Like love and kindness and gentleness and long-suffering and gentleness and meekness and goodness. You're not exempt. We know how to shout, clap, praise. We know the scripture. But we got to put a few things in action because there's a few keys that are missing in our language and in our life. We got to put them into play because there's a door that needs to be opened to us. Amen. In the developmental years of Joshua, when he was still learning... The Bible clearly shows that Moses rebuked him. Because Joshua had a bad idea. And Moses rebuked Joshua. Openly rebuked him. But Joshua did not dishonor the man of God. 
Instead, he kept following, learning, and serving. Elijah outright scolded the young Elisha. But Elisha did not get bitter and walk away. Instead, he burned the plow, killed the oxen, just to show the elder that he would do whatever he was asked to do. This is how Tammy and I have operated. We operate by instruction. But when instruction cannot be followed, then we operate by correction. But if correction can't be followed, then we operate by rebuke. This is the Bible. This is what Paul told. I hope it can just be instruction. But sometimes it's correction. But we found out that almost nobody wants correction. And if almost nobody wants correction, they won't even stay around for rebuke. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Have you ever felt like you were alone in a big... You know, you went to the, the ballroom dance and you're wearing Wranglers. <laughs> I want to bring you to the most pivotal point of revelation found in the Bible. It's a pivot point. This is important for us now. Matthew 13 and 54. When Jesus was come to his own country, he was teaching in their synagogue. They were astonished at what he was saying. And they said, where did he come from? Where did this man come from? This wisdom that he's speaking to us, these mighty works. And they started asking the question, is not this the carpenter's son? You know, Joseph? Is not his mother called Mary? We know her, his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, Judas, all his brothers, his sisters, they're all here. Where did he learn all these things? Here's verse 57. And they were offended in him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country, in his own house. He has honor everywhere else, but he don't have honor in his own place. Here's the last one. And he did not many miracles there because of their unbelief. Just a few people. Another version says just a few people were healed. He came to his hometown. He's the very same man with the same people. They're familiar with him, his earthly family. They, they were all common among the people. Daily life, routine, obligations brought them together. They surely traded food and crops and meat and bread. They were part of a community that shared stories and life, education, was part of their collective culture. Jesus has already established his power, however. Prior to this, the centurion's servant was healed with a single word. A woman with an issue of blood 12 years was healed instantly when she laid hold of his garment. The daughter of Jairus was brought back to life. A paralytic man lying on a mat, withering away. Jesus healed all of them. He had a multitude of disciples. It wasn't just 12. There was well over 70. Maybe in the hundreds. He had healed lepers He was renowned for his parables, his teaching. He had the command of the law. (laughs) But when he came home, something changed. 
what they offered him beyond the border was found wanting when he came home. He was teaching in their synagogue. His profundity was unmatched. His wisdom left them bewildering. Bewildered, scratching their heads. They never seen such things or heard such things. Where did he come from? All these mighty works. All the wisdom. And now comes the choice. They knew he was powerful. They knew he had knowledge and wisdom beyond their comprehension. But they chose to dishonor him. They put him in a box of familiarity. They tied him up. They bound him with their disrespect and disregard. They remembered him as a child and were familiar with his, with his parents, Mary and Joseph, his brothers, his sisters. And, and even though he had wisdom and power, and they confessed that. Per their own evaluation, they still chose to dishonor him. Their dishonor caused a ripple in their lives and it would not be undone. They were offended in him. But Jesus said, the only place where I don't have honor is among my own. I can't do a lot of miracles here. And in a single stroke of disrespect, they nullified their ability to receive. They could never imagine how much power he had, but they negated that revelation. They just removed themselves from the depth of his omnipotence. They did not remove his ability, ladies and gentlemen. Hear this. They did not remove that. No one can cancel his strength or his power. They just blocked it. John wrote in the first chapter, he came unto his own and his own received him not. There was no honor and without honor there was no healing. The miracle and the healing did not come from the source of his power. It came by the way of their level of honor. This is what you need to remember. We think that a lack of miracles is due to a lack of faith. Jesus thinks a lack of miracles is due to a lack of honor. Ah. The Lord's at the point of his final days. He's accused merely of blasphemy. They find him in the Garden of Gethsemane. They're striking him all the way. Pilate will eventually want to maintain peace. They've captured the Lord. They bring him first to the house of the high priests, Annas and Caiaphas. They beat Jesus there. But they all also ask him questions. And the Lord answers them. He talks with Caiaphas. And even though Jesus is abused, are you hearing this now? Even though Jesus is abused, his face already swollen, already, already beaten, he talks with the high priest. He answers Caiaphas. Caiaphas has never seen a high priest. Never seen a real one. It's been almost 1,100 years since the days of King Josiah, who was the last of Judah's obedient kings, when a real head or a high priest was ever seen. Been a long time. No one has ever seen a real high priest in their days. Jesus is the first headship that Caiaphas has ever witnessed. He's never seen any real spiritual authority until he sees Jesus. And he talks with Jesus, and Jesus talks with him. And then they take him to Pilate. And Pilate talks to the Lord. And Jesus answers Pilate. Pilate represents the Gentile. He's never known spiritual authority. doesn't know what it is. This is his first encounter with the headship, a spiritual shepherd. 
He's speaking to Jesus, trying to negotiate a way out of this mess, and Jesus answers him. He talks with the Lord, and the Lord talks with him. But when they bring Jesus to Herod, Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch, the same Herod of Matthew 14, the same Herod that captured John the Baptist, when they bring Jesus to Herod, Jesus will not say a word. He will not speak to Herod. Not a word. Herod is excited to see Jesus. He has anticipated this moment. I'll read it to you in Luke 23 and 8. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad. For he was desirous to see him of a long season. Because he had heard many things of him. And had hoped to have seen some miracle done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words. But Jesus, he answered him nothing. Jesus spoke to Caiaphas even though they beat him. And reviled him. He talked with Pilate, even though Pilate would not exercise his authority and set the Lord free. But when it came to Herod, who wanted to talk to Jesus, Jesus would not say a word. Why? Why would he talk to the high priest? I'll tell you why. That was the first real authority they had ever witnessed. Why would he talk to Pilate? Because he was the first voice of a real shepherd that Pilate had ever heard. But not Herod. You see, Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch, is asking questions. He's seeking a word. He wants some interaction with Jesus because he's the one. There's no greater than Jesus. And I submit that as carnal as Herod was, he knows that Jesus is the one. His his words reveal his fear when he hears of Jesus. You see, Herod was the one who ordered the head of John the Baptist to be cut off and served on a silver platter. God already gave Herod a pastor. But Herod cut the head of his leader off. And when you cut the head of your leader off and dishonor your head of your leader, Jesus has nothing to say to you. Because our God is a God of order. I stand here today to say there's got to be miracles. But if we don't get honor and respect for up, down, and across, we're never going to unlock that door. I'm here to unlock some doors today. And we got to get some words in our mouth. I'll tell you why you're struggling. I'll tell you why you're in your mess. Because you don't have the key in your hand. I'm preaching the word today and the Holy Ghost has already confirmed in me. I hope you will receive it. But even if you don't receive it, I am commissioned by the Holy Ghost to promise to preach the anointed word of God without apology, without, without apprehension. I know it's God's word. We got to put something back into our life. It's missing. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to exercise my position here. I don't want anyone to talk about disrespectful children. Don't talk about dishonorable or disrespectful children. They've only learned it from all of us. They are an image. And don't tell me that those aren't your children. Honor everybody one to another. The reason why there's a society of young people that don't honor the law, don't honor property, don't honor, don't, don't respect anything because adults don't respect anything. The moment you put in your mouth disrespectful words about people, some of which you do not know, and you degrade them, that transfers. Don't think that you can be autonomous and raise children that will be submissive. 
And don't, don't tell me that we have power over the spirit world when we have disrespect for one another. It doesn't work like that. And if you cut this head off, don't try to go to Jesus and circumvent the spiritual authority that God already gave you. You're wanting to know why God's not answering your prayers. I'll tell you why. He's got nothing to say that has not already been said. Oh. I think something's going to break out in here. There's going to be a level of, of respect and honor and regard for one another. It's going to be up. It's going to be down. It's going to be across. And miracles are going to take place. I'm going to tell you a couple of of real stories <laughs> oh I feel something in here I feel something in here Sister Stark told Tammy and I a few years ago about a family and, 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 and they weren't committed to God and they didn't have honor in their home and they, they never even addressed, they, they called the pastor by his first name and, and, and they, 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 they minimized the church and, and, and so their, their son became very very ill it was very, very, it was a terrible situation. He was laying there on the couch and they called for the pastor. The pastor was so kind, him and his wife, they went to the house. They, they, they had virtually no relationship because, because the people kept the pastor at, har- at arm's length. And, but they walked into the house and they wanted to lay hands on the young man and the young boy. And the boy, however, rejected the pastor. He didn't want anything to do with him. He, he was afraid of him. He had no, he had no trust in the pastor. So they just prayed, stand on the other side of the room. And Sister Stark said it was so sad because the parents were crying and they said we don't understand why our children won't receive our pastor I'll tell you why because you've demeaned him and you demeaned the church and in your time of need when you needed something he came in and an elder came in but nobody nobody would receive him because of the things you presented in your home this will not manifest itself until you have a need ah Tammy and I were young evangelists, and we, we were so privileged to, they chose us to host things, and we were hosting a, a, a meeting, a man that most of you will never know, but his name was Billy Cole, he passed away, he was a real heavyset man, he was a powerful prophet, he was an apostle to many parts of the world, he was an apostle, and, and mostly to the Asian people, but, but there was a mighty revival in the country of Ethiopia. There was a massive field. It was, a, it was so large, they had, they had bought or rented the used stage and microphone and sound system that, that Rome had used for the Pope. It was a long, long, long platform. It was much longer than this out in that open field, and the speakers were so massive People from Ethiopia journeyed, they brought food, they walked, they rode. There was hundreds of thousands of them, hundreds of thousands of them. (laughs) They had no doctors, no fallback, no insurance, no medical clinics, no penicillin. And people came to the front and they prayed for them and eyeballs appeared in empty sockets arms grew that were that had been severed 
One little boy, they, they wheeled him up on a wheel, in a wheelbarrow. The back of his head touched the back of his feet. He was bent over the wrong way. It was a horrible condition. And they just dumped him out on the dirt in front of the platform. And the ministers went down and laid hands. And he stood up right on his feet and was instantly healed. <laughs> Women that didn't have any hearing, they said they laid hands on their ears and their ears opened up and they could hear and they began to shout and dance and jump. When the minister stepped off the bus to get to the place, the Ethiopians brought cakes and pies and knelt down and sang. But when the ministers came back to the United States and they did the same thing, there were no miracles and no healings. And Brother Cole said, we were not more powerful over there than we are here. But the people thought we were more powerful over there than we are here. And they honored us there, but they gave us no respect when we came home. Because a prophet hath no honor among his own people. And, and, the, and the Achilles heel that all of you have today is that you know me. But when I step in another pulpit in some other church or some other place and I say with boldness, God's going to heal you, people are ready to be healed and they're anxious because they believe it. I'm ready. I'm ready to show honor and respect and kindness. I'm ready to call you my brother and my sister. I'm ready for it to be above, beneath, high, low, and across. Submit myself one to another. Nobody's better than anybody. We have different positions. We'll honor it. And whatever happened, that's the Lord's anointing. We ain't going to put our hand on the Lord's anointing. And when you talk about people bad in the church, just know that person's also bought with the blood of Jesus Christ. So every time you open up your mouth to speak evil against your brother bought with the blood, you're talking against the very thing that saved you and brought you out. I think it's time for the Pentecostal church to start treating each other with honor and respect and see what God will do in the house of God. We are preaching the gospel and the word. What we need and what we're lacking is the confirmation through miracles, signs, and wonders. And you're going to tell me that's a lack of faith, but we just don't have the faith. If we can just get our faith risen. Oh, no, 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 no. We got the faith. You don't need even a lot of faith. You just need trust in Jesus Christ. But what you really need is you need to put the key in your hand and probably in your mouth and in your heart. That's my brother. I love them. Are you telling me there's someone in the church you cannot sit by? Really? And you're going to dance around the throne in heaven for ten thousands of years and there's somebody in the church you purposely avoid I'll tell you what you got a rotten spirit you're bitter and you better get better and just because you change churches doesn't take care of the situation it's a word of God I got a word to everybody that's watching you better make it right with your brother and the Bible says this if you know your brother has a problem you leave your gift at the altar and you go make it right. And even if he doesn't receive you, at least you said, I'm sorry. I'm ready for the miracle. I'm going to tell you right now, when that miracle happens, you're going to be shouting. 
You're going to tell me right now it's not your, my personality, Pastor. It's not, it's not my way. You're going to tell me about backache, neck. But when the miracle happens, nobody will be able to say anything because you'll be crying, shouting, rolling. You'll be... When Oliver is healed... When that cancer is removed. When you wake up one day ready for surgery and the doctors say, I don't know what happened. Did you already go see somebody? And you say, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. No, you say... I was at church and the great physician came in and he touched me. Oh, he touched me. And all oh, the joy that fl- when that happens, you'll have no room to shout. You'll have no room to dance. And if we get this right, let me tell you how it's going to happen. You honor them. You love them. You treat them with respect. You treat them with regard and reverence. Everybody. Because if you don't, Here's what we're going to do for the next many years. We're going to see somebody healed, and then we're going to wait about six months, and then we're going to see someone else healed, because the Bible says he can only save and heal a few. I don't want a few. I want all. I, I, I want all. These signs shall follow them that believe. All. But what we thought was, well, we just need to get more faith. Well, maybe if we had some more prayer time. Well, Pastor, if you put us on a fast, okay, go on a fast. Go on a prayer time. I think we need all of that. But if you're still ugly to one another and you have no honor and no respect, I don't care how much you fast and pray. Obviously, you're not killing your your, your flesh. You're just starving your body. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, man. I'll tell you what new life needs to be. We need to be the poster child of how America ought to operate. I think the first thing is you recognize people that are walking by you. I even like to see the kids when I'm walking by saying, good morning, pastor. Good morning. Hello, pastor. Good to see you, pastor. That's nice. That's nice. Because when I'm walking by them, I say, hey, how are you doing? I can't always remember everyone's name. They grow up and they're like another person. There's like a foot taller. Weren't you shorter than me last week? (laughs) Come on now. This is honor and respect. Listen, I am not against our apostolic doctrine. I'm not against what we know to be true. But we've hung our hat on some things and we stopped there. But the Bible says, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundations of baptisms. You were only baptized one time. You don't have to be baptized again as long as it was in the right way, according to the Bible, right? So now what are you going to go on to? That, that's it? That's it? You just, that's all? No, let's go on to honor and respect and love and kindness. And I'll tell you what that'll do. That'll be the greatest thing that ever happened in our life. And when we put the key in our hand and in our mouth, it's going to open up a door and everybody's going to be healed. I don't want to limit you, Lord. I want to give you as much room as you can. And I'm going to do it by my brother and my sister.
Please stand with me now. Play a little bit, I'll get it. I want you to hold hands with somebody if it's appropriate or put your hand on their shoulder if it's appropriate. Close by. Before we pray, I just want you to, I want you to stay there just for a moment. Don't feel uncomfortable. It should not be uncomfortable for you to, for you to be next to one another like this. Now, I'm hoping I'm doing the right thing. Scott and Jen can help me with this, but I hope I'm teaching my kids to honor and respect. And I hope within my family that, that the four children that I'm commissioned to lead, um, that they honor all of you I want them to honor all of you. I want them to respect our elders. But I also want them to respect one another. Ask my children, what is my number one request? Roman, you're the only one here. What's my number one request of all, all four of you? That we love and respect and we get along with one another. That's my number one. I don't care if they got good jobs. I, I, I don't care about their careers. I, I care that they love Jesus and they respect one another and love one another. That's my number one. Everything else will fall into place. I'm, I'm not working on making sure they got a lot of money. They got a lot of know-how in the world of connections. I want them to have respect and honor because if they have those keys, they'll respect their employer. They'll honor their things. They'll honor people and God and one another. You miss this element. Listen, this is missing everywhere today. The reason why there's vandalism is because there's no respect. Crime, the root of crime is no respect. And don't blame them that are doing it. Blame the people that raise them. And when we get to the church, we can't be looking outside the borders and cast our commentaries on the people that are on the outside. We got to fix the inside. I'm just going to tell you about Tammy and I's covenant. We've made a covenant with you. Now, I don't need a pat on the back. I rarely sleep the whole night through because at 3 o'clock in the morning, usually about 318, 319, and sometimes it's four o'clock. I wake up thinking about you. My burden is for you. You'll think that I'm not thinking about you, but I am. I got, I'll go to bed tonight thinking about all of your faces and some that I don't see here today. And it burdens me. And I pray for you. Here's our covenant. We're with you until you die or until the Lord comes back. That's my covenant. I'm going to baptize your children or someone's going to baptize them. We're going to dedicate them.
I'm going to marry them. I'm going to bury you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to preach the word. That's my covenant with you. This is not my job. This is my calling. I don't ever clock in and clock out. I don't have an hours. I don't have hours. It's just the day. I don't need to pat on the back. It's just our calling. We love it. We love it. We eat it up every day. We're reaching for the lost. We're reaching for our community. And we're loving our church family. This is our whole life. We're completely committed to you. And to the kingdom. And to the, and to the community. We're completely committed. This is what we do. Every day. And I want to honor all of you today. I honor all of the widows in here today. I honor all of the, all the widowers today. I honor all the elders and all the people. I honor the young couples. I honor, I honor you that are raising children by yourself and you have no one to help. Single mothers, single fathers. I honor you. Thank you for being faithful to God. God's going to bless you. I honor you. The Bible says honor the Lord with your first fruit, your first substance. You don't pay your tithes. You honor the Lord with it. That's in the Bible. He thinks that's honorable for you to give your first fruit. Not your last fruit. Tithing's not just 10%. It's your first 10%. It's not what's left over. I'm preaching the word today. And if there's any disagreement, guess what? All you have to do is say, I'm sorry. Let me just tell you about the culture here. We are quick to say, no problem. Let's go on. Because we don't hold that in our heart. We're quick. Come on, let's, okay, let's get the kingdom going. Let's go. No. In Jesus' name I pray, forgive us, Lord, of, of everything that we do and say that's against the blood-bought and against your word. From husband to wife, to wife to husband, to children parents to children and vice versa high or low or across forgive us Lord of every dishonorable hateful critical thing that we would ever say or do forgive us of that Lord help us to institute in our lives words of honor and respect kindness Lord and if there has to be instruction let us always instruct if there has to be direction or correction let us, let us be able to do that freely And Lord, if there is rebuke, let the people receive whatever rebuke, our children or whoever, so that we can be better and do better. I pray for the body of believers that we would accept everyone who walks in this door. Come on now. We're going to honor everyone who walks in this door. Honor them and respect them. They don't even have to be a member of this church. We ought to be, Lord, help us right now. We're going to be honorable and respectful of everyone. I pray right now for all the people that are watching. Let these words sink deep into their life. Let there be accountability, honor, respect, so that the the door can open up in Jesus' name. So that when it comes time for us to lay hands on the sick, there is an unfettered belief that there will be healing in Jesus' name. And I pray that everyone in this house, everyone, would be healed and delivered of everything that afflicts their lives. Every yoke broken, every chain broken, every spirit that's contrary to you would be broken and removed, I pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
I feel the Holy Ghost move in this house right now. I feel him moving all around you. And if you feel a little tug at your heart, you're gonna, you need to reach out to God right now and just say, I need you, Lord. I got some things I'm going to change today. This very day, I'm going to change some things. Mm. Ah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have four minutes before I want to I wanted to dismiss. So I'm just going to give you the opportunity to come to this altar and lift up your hands and just say, Lord, use me for your glory. I want to put this, let the keys be in my mouth. Let the key be in my heart. Yes. Yes. I want it in my home, among my children, among my marriage. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord.